So now we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to be in the New Testament. Mark chapter 2. So I want, you, I want you to listen very carefully because it's going to be a little interactive today. So that means your brain's got to switch on now. If it wasn't yet, it needs to switch on. I need you to pay attention here. One Sabbath, he, meaning Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. And then he said to him, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked at the, around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. All right, I'm just going to let you uh, let that soak in for a minute. Any questions that come up for you about that scripture, just uh, from just from hearing it that time, as you're going through it, as you're reading it, anything? I've always thought it was interesting that when Jesus is questioning them to say, "Is it good? Is, is it okay to do good things on the Sabbath?" He also includes doing evil things, killing. I've always interesting that he includes both, not just doing good things. Okay, yeah. So he so he asked them, "Is it is it lawful? Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save life or to kill?" The interesting thing about about Sabbath day rules was that it was permissible. It was permissible if there was a life threatening event to do whatever you needed to do. So, so it's interesting here that Jesus is really, um, he's really using, of course, very, very um, strong language here. I think he's, I, in some ways, it feels like he's trying to goad them. Um, they've been goading him. If you read Mark chapter 2 all the way through, you see that they are, they're just all over him about everything that he's doing um, and, 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 and very concerned about the things that he's doing because he, you know, he heals and and they and and forgive sin and they're like well that's those are only things that God can do um, you shouldn't be doing that and and then now he's here on the Sabbath yeah so it is interesting but but in terms of the Sabbath rules um, it was lawful to if if there was a life threatening event to to be able to do that do you know how do you know how far um, you're permitted to walk on the Sabbath day if you're a faithful if you're a faithful Jewish person. Nobody knows. It's about 2,000 steps, which is about a mile, um, roughly a mile, at least according to Joel Morgan's steps. 
Um, right? So it's about, it's about a mile. When I walk a mile, I get about 2,000 steps. So that's what, I, that's what, my, that's what my wonderful watch tells me. So, um, and that's, and, and I, I believe that that still holds true today, that, that if you see folks, because we have some temples around here, you see them out walking on, on, on Saturday going to temple, um, you know, they're, they're, they probably live within a mile of, of, of the temple, more than likely, um, if they're trying to be as faithful as they can. So it's still, still practice today, Sabbath observance. Um, we, when Jennifer and I were in seminary, uh, we lived in an apartment, and, and, um, and right below us lived, I don't know if he was Orthodox, but, but he, was, but he, he practiced, um, practiced his faith very sincerely. And so he would, and he was a very studious man, and so he would turn on the lights that he needed on before sundown on Friday because he wasn't, he wasn't it, was, it was work to shut off a light um, it, during the Sabbath. So, but he wanted to read onto Friday night, and so he would always turn on the lights before, the, before sundown. So, and they would be on all night because he wasn't able to turn them off. So the, just some interesting, some interesting things to help, um, to help Jews remember to keep the Sabbath. One of the things that I wanted to talk about today was this idea of gifts into burdens. Because as you read in this Deuteronomy, which is, a, which is a recapitulation of the original giving of the Ten Commandments um, on Mount Sinai that, that, is first, that we first hear about in Exodus, um, this is you know, one, of the, one of the Ten Commandments, uh, this is sort of a recapitulation, observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Now, for of course the Jews, the Sabbath day, the d- days started at sundown and end at sundown. So it's opposite of us. Our days start at sunup and end, you know, at sundown, I guess. But, but uh, so, so the Sabbath begins on what we know of as our Friday evening, and it ends on Saturday evening at sundown. And so observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident aliens in your town so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. I mean, this, is, this covers everything, right? I mean, the cats and the dogs are supposed to be napping all day on the Sabbath day, right? There, I mean, there's no, everybody's supposed to be resting. This is supposed to be a gift. And why? Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. It's a reminder, it's a reminder that God gives them what they need. That God is part of their lives. That they don't need to produce on one day of the week, because God provides for them. If you remember when they went through the wilderness, and, and, and they were complaining that they didn't have any food, and so God gave them the, the well, it's man who, but we call it manna, um, which is man who means what is it, because they didn't really know what it was when they, when they, when they got it, but God gave them manna. Um, one day a week, they could ga- on, on Friday, they could gather twice the portion, and it wouldn't go bad. Every other day, it would go bad. Uh, if they gathered more than they needed for the day. But for the Sabbath day, they could gather, for Friday, they could gather twice the portion for Saturday because God did not want them doing 
any work. God wanted to show them that I will provide for you. You do not need to produce and to do work. And because you were slaves and didn't have any control over that before, and I released you from that, neither shall you make your slaves or your animals do the same thing. I think this is pretty tremendous. You're going to be a holy people, and you're also going to do this differently than what other people, than how other people do it. You're going to treat the people that are your slaves differently than you were treated by the Egyptians. You are going to be different. This Sabbath thing is going to be very, very different. And so, what they did then is, is uh, what they call it in Judaism, is they, they put a fence around the law. Because what, they, what, the rabbis, what the rabbis and the teachers wanted to do was to make, make sure, well, let me ask you, what's a fence for? It keeps things out and it keeps things in, right? So, so basically, um, basically, you didn't want, to, the, the, the teachers of the law did not want you to cross over into trouble. So they put a fence around the law. So they kept, they kept, they kept moving the fence, um, they kept moving the fence farther and farther out from the thing of breaking, of breaking the law to make sure, just to make sure that you weren't, that you weren't breaking the law. So it says, well, you shall do no work. Well, what's the first question? What's work? Right? Well, apparently work is walking over 2,000 steps. Apparently work for some is flipping a light switch. Apparently work is making a, making a meal for the family. Apparently work is all kinds of other things. So they kept, they kept making um, the rules and the laws, um, and they kept sort of pushing out the fence uh, so that people would not screw up. Because you, you wanted to be on the right side of God. You wanted, you wanted to live faithfully um, with God. And so they, they, kept, they kept doing that. And so... Then in Mark you have all of these, you have all these things that Jesus is running up against. On the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. So what might they? What what rule might they already be breaking? They're walking. Who knows how far they've been walking, right? Um, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. What do you think that that, that rule runs into? Your work, you're not supposed to harvest anything. Now, I would, I would, listen, anybody ever been around a wheat field? Okay, right? And you're just walking along the wheat field, and the, wheat, and the wheat's about ready for, you know, it is, it's like, it's just like a, a kid. Yeah, you're just going to rip them off, and you, and, you, and you do this cool thing. If they're dry enough, you take the head, you put it upside down, you put it in your hand, and you go like this, and the grain goes into your hand, and the chaff blows away. If you've never done it, you're missing out. I'm just telling you, you got you to gotta do it. You got to do it. I mean, there's just something, there's just a childlike fascination with something so cool. Like, like it was made that way so that you could thresh it. I mean, it was, it was, it was designed that way so that you could, so that it could be harvested. Uh, it's just, anyway, we could go, there could be a whole sermon about that. But, but so I'm just imagining, you know, they probably weren't hungry. You're not going to get a whole lot out of a few heads of, you know, a few heads of wheat or whatever. Um, you know, just by doing that in your hand. That's probably what they were doing. Uh, but, again, the Pharisees um, at this time, and, and again, 
what I want to remind you about is, is that we, throughout, the, throughout history and, and in the Bible, the Pharisees often get a really bad rap, right? Like if your neighbor has a fence and you accidentally do something to it and he's a real jerk about it, you know, you might say, well, he's really being a Pharisee about that. I, we used to have a neighbor that, man, if you, got, if you put one foot over their property line, like you, heard, they got a, you got a phone call. You know, if you mowed over there, got your wheel over there, you know, you got a phone call from them. Um, I mean, we, we don't use that term as often today, but for, for, for a long, long time, we would say they're being pharisaical or they're being a Pharisee. Well, the Pharisees wanted to live within the law. I mean, these are the, and I often say, these are the people you want living next door to you because they mow their grass. You know, they take care of their flower beds. They paint their house. Um, they, go to, they, they, they observe the rules of their faith. They, 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 they take care of things. Um, and so they're very concerned that Jesus is breaking all these rules, and Jesus is one of them. He's a Jew, and so they're also very tied to the political structure. And if you don't remember, at this time when Jesus is, is alive, um, Israel is really, uh, is really under the rule of the Roman government. And so the Jewish leaders are able to operate because they, keep, because they keep on the good side of the Roman government. And they know if they don't keep on the good side of the Roman government, the, the, the Roman government will have some people killed. It's just that easy. That's how the Pax Romana was kept, is with an iron fist. And so, and so you, can, you can begin to see, perhaps, the dynamic here. That the Pharisees, the Pharisees want to be very faithful, and they're worried about what, what this means, what Jesus means for um, the political structure and for them. So they say to him, look, um, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And they don't actually name which one it is, if it's the walking or if it's the plucking heads of grain. But then Jesus talks about um, David, um, back in 1 Samuel, I believe it is, who, who goes in, it's a, it doesn't, in 1 Samuel it doesn't say he's hungry. Uh, it just says that he goes in, and he, gets, he gets bread from the temple, which only the priests are supposed to eat, and he takes it, and he eats it, and he gives it to some of his companions. Um, the interesting thing about this, just as you read Scripture, is um, there's a mistake here. Don't tell anybody. Um, Abiathar was not the high priest at that time. Uh, when David was there. It was, his, it was actually his father. So we think that the writer Mark is making a point because Abiathar was, was not necessarily a great guy. Anyway, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but, but you got to be careful sometimes. You want to do your homework um, when, you're, when you're studying the Scripture because sometimes there, there are references there that are making a point but might not be quote-unquote historically accurate. Um, so then he said, so then he says this, the Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. Or the Sabbath was made for man, that's probably the, more the way I heard it growing up, you know, the old King James or something. Um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What do you think that means? I told you I was going to make you use your brain and then I talked for like 10 minutes. What do you think that means? Let me read it again. The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. 
the Sabbath was really given as a gift. Don't turn it into a burden. The Sabbath was given as a gift. It was given as a day of rest, a, a day of reminder about how good God is. Don't turn it into a burden. Don't, don't put so many prescriptions around it that it, becomes, that, become, that it becomes onerous to you, that it becomes a hardship to you. This is supposed to be a gift to you. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, been, it's been given to you as this gift. Don't turn it into a burden. And then he goes in the synagogue, this is the next story, and, and there's a man there with a wizard, withered hand, and, and of course it's on the Sabbath again. I mean, all these stories are about, about you know, whether, you know, is he going to break the rules? And he says to the man, come forward, and then he does this whole thing about is it right to give life or to kill, and we know that, that if it was life-threatening, but it's not life-threatening. This man's had a withered hand for who knows how long. It's not life-threatening as far as we know. Um, and so Jesus could have waited till sundown to heal him. Oh, but did you notice in the scripture Jesus doesn't heal him? He just says, put out your hand. And his hand is healed. We make the assumption, the inference, that it's Jesus that heals him. Now, maybe that's the inference we're supposed to make, but I just... When you read the text, you have to be careful because our, our minds make leaps all the time. And maybe that's the leap we're supposed to make. Maybe Mark is saying, listen, yes, he healed him. Like, this is, it's clear. That's why, the, that's why the Pharisees are upset with him because that's what the Pharisees saw was they're like, well, actually, Jesus did heal him because he said, stretch out your hand and, and whatever. But he doesn't, it doesn't, you know, doesn't touch him. He doesn't say any hocus pocus. He doesn't, doesn't do anything, in the, at least as you really strictly look at this. So it's just interesting, again, to dig into the text and to see what's there. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Anybody know who the Herodians were? Was that? Followers of Herod. Now, do you know which one? Because there's more than one Herod. This is where you really get, this is where church history and all, and Roman history and Jewish history all get uh, interesting. Who is it? Herod Antipas, which was the son of, of King Herod, or Herod the Great. Herod the Great was, um, was ru- a ruthless ruler in Israel. However, you go there today, you still see, um, you still see structures that he had built, he built a port in Caesarea Maritime that I've seen, and most, most of it is still standing. They were pouring cement underwater. They were pouring cement underwater before Jesus was born. That's the kind of technology that he was encouraging and using to do these kinds of things. There is a, there in, um, uh, in, in Masada, if you just look it up, there, there's still ruins of his, of his um, basically of his castle. I forget what they call it. But there's a water system there that runs on gravity that brings water up into, uh, up into his castle so that if you're ever under siege, you always have a water source. It is fascinating if you're an engineer type or if you just like any of that kind of stuff, it is wild how intricate it is. And you just think, how did they carve these things? How did they build this? Now, 
slave labor. <laughs> but, but so he used all kinds of slaves. But so, so King Herod was, I mean, did, did these amazing, amazing things. Um, but he was very, he was ruthless because he needed to be in order to keep the peace. And then after his death, his, his sons and his daughters end up dividing up the kingdom into, into, the, into four different um, sections. And they, they end up getting assigned to, to take them over. And so Herod Antipas is the one who's over where Jerusalem is. Um, and so the Herodians are the ones who, who are aligned with, with Herod Antipas, who, who, again, it's the political structure again. Uh, yes. So it, it depends. Um, so... Herod's family, we believe, were converts to Judaism. But, they, but, but, but we, what we don't know is how faithful they were. But we know that they, they very much had an allegiance with the high priest because, because the high priests were often appointed by the Romans. And so, uh, and so you had to align yourself with the high priest in order to, in order to be able to be in control. Um, you guys, I mean, this is a political lesson now. I mean, one of the things to remember about, about Jesus' um, ministry is that this isn't happening in some pristine, you know, uh, world. This is happening in a real world with real political intrigue, with real power structures going on. That it isn't, it isn't just because of religious reasons that perhaps the Pharisees or the Herodians are upset with Jesus. It's because they don't want to upset the apple cart. They're in power, and they don't want to see, they don't want to see things change. So there's a lot here. I mean, th- this is what I love about the Scripture, is that just in, in you know, 10 verses or whatever, you can, you can, you can really find a lot, that isn't that, and that isn't just spiritual stuff. But there's also spiritual stuff here, if you read sort of between the lines, which is that, the Sabbath was a gift to the Jewish people. It was supposed to be something to remind them that God provides, that they have been set free. For 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt, and no longer were they slaves in Egypt. They had been given a, a new life because God brought them out and, is, was lead, and led them into the promised land. And they were never, ever, ever to hold that over somebody else again. They were supposed to be a light to the nations be, by being a great nation. To not have their slaves work every day, all day long, as they had been worked, so that they could show how they would honor God with that. And so today, as you know, I mean, there, there, have been, there, were movements, um, there were movements throughout history to try to create a Christian Sabbath. You know, uh, around here we call them blue laws, where, where we tried to say, well, you know, stores can't be open, liquor stores can't be open, you're not supposed to be, you know, you're not supposed to be uh, playing ball games and, and doing all these things. I hear it today, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, how can we have a Sabbath? There's always baseball games and this and that on, on Sunday. How can, we, how can we create this kind of time and, 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 all, and, all, and all of these sorts of things? Um, and in some ways, when we talk like that, I think we're, we make a burden out of the Sabbath. What God desires for us is time 
when we rest in God. When we trust that we don't need to produce something for somebody else. Where we can just receive the gift of life that God is giving us. That six days of work is enough. That God will provide for us when we choose to rest in God. But that we shouldn't take that gift and turn it into some sort of burden. That then, well, you know, I, I've just got to meditate. I can only read the Bible on, the, on my Sabbath day. I can only do this or that. We have to find that now for ourselves. The world or the, uh, the political structure is not going to, to put a fence around the law of the Sabbath for us. We have to find our own ways of, I forgot where my charger was, of plugging in to the source of being recharged and refreshed and renewed in God. Because that's the gift that we've been given. So may we not turn it into a burden. Amen.